to GB Mag Chats, where we answer the real questions international students have about living and studying in the UK. I'm Sophie, your host, and today we're going to be discussing what to do if you've chosen the wrong course for you. Now, today's episode, we're going to actually be split into two parts. We have the great pleasure of being joined by Courtney from UCAS and also international student from Spain, Carolina, who has been through it and lived to tell the tale of course switching. Carolina, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Carolina. I'm currently a second year master's student and I started off studying neuroscience at the University of Aberdeen and ended up switching into a music performance course, which is what I'm now pursuing at master's level. I love it. The two subjects that you've changed from and to could not be more fitting for this discussion that we're having today. So for our listeners, a little later in the episode, we will be getting all the expert advice from Courtney at UCAS. But Carolina, what I'd love to hear from you is your first-hand experience and your story of drastically having changed direction from one course to another. How quickly do you think you realised you just weren't doing the right course for you and that you thought you might want to change? Uh, I realised quite quickly, I would say about two or three months into my first year of neuroscience, it just felt like I was banging my head against a wall because... I did find it interesting, but I was like, it was not what I wanted to do. Um, And then it was sort of really strange because I kept telling myself, oh, let's just like finish this year, see if this is what I really want to do. And then by the end of the year, I was just like emailing everyone I could to be like, I need to change my course. And did you feel like it was quite a personal decision? Was it the wrong course for you because of your interests or how had you got into one path and then realised the other one was meant for you? I think quite a lot of it came down to family pressure to do like a real degree and not music and then you know eventually I was like well it might not be a real degree but it's the one I want to do so. I can really relate to that idea of like a real degree because I was the same when I was at school choosing A-levels even as early on as choosing my GCSEs I had no idea I, I was interested in so many different things but I was also creative and musical and thought well what am I going to do with that and I think that can often be something that plays into people's subject choices they know what the thing is that they love and they're good at but will they be able to do anything with it is often a question was that a question you asked yourself a lot when you were choosing yeah 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 yeah. definitely there was that whole component of am I even good enough or am I just one of those people you know like oh I was good in my little town back home but like what about in the real world maybe I was just like good there but I'm not really good um and then there was sort of that whole pressure with me being good at academics which is like it just sort of felt like I had to do something academic because I was good at it even if it wasn't what I wanted to do absolutely and especially when there's a vocational thing like the sciences I can see that being very hard to not pursue so I can completely see how you got as far as actually being on the course how far into your degree were you when you when you made the decision to switch um it was at the end of my first year that I started you know sending out all the emails filling out all the forms to switch I was really lucky that I was able to do that within the same uni and that I didn't have to go through UCAS all over again yeah yeah I was going to ask you whether you had to do the UCAS thing or not because again there's so many different ways to go about this sort of course switching and I know UCAS is one of them but did you find you had quite a lot of support when you were going through the motions of of the actual changing um yes and no it was 
It was a bit strange because some people in the music department seemed quite reluctant to have me there because they saw me as like a bit of an outsider, I felt. Uh, maybe that was just my perception. But then at the same time, other people were so welcoming and they were just so keen to have someone new in. So it was really, really strange. And then it was also quite odd because my personal tutor was obviously a neuroscience guy, which never changed while I was at uni. Really? Uh, yeah, so it was great for consistency, but at the same time, I would be like, oh, I have all, like this issue with my performance or this issue with that. And he was just there like, I study hormones, you know? <laughs> I love that. Like giving you the advice on your musical performances. Yeah. <laughs> um, just out of interest, what is it you do? Do you, do you play music? Do you sing? Do you act? All of the above? I play cello, yeah. I play cello. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Um so when once you made the decision to switch, did you have a bit of a journey of having to convince other people in your life, perhaps family and friends, that this was the right decision? It was, yeah, I think it was mostly my parents that were quite against it. But then, so, you know, it sort of first turned into what if I do all of these like credits in music and then sort of like trying to ease them into it and then I was like what if I do like music in English or music and something else um which they weren't too persuaded by so then it ended up being me switching into music but still making like every elective a neuroscience elective which was not fun I really did not enjoy that but it was sort of the agreement that I reached with them uh, because they wanted me to still get like yeah knowledge in a real thing in case I ever want to go back to it, uh, which I don't think I will. Maybe I'll change yeah. my mind. But... So it's almost to have like it as a fallback, I suppose, just yeah. in case. Yeah, I mean it's hard with any. Obviously, there's so many competitive industries, but the performing arts, especially, I'm sure anyone listening who has gone down that route will relate. It is very competitive, but it shouldn't be a reason not not to go for it, especially if you feel that's the thing you sort of should be doing, um, which is actually something we hear a lot of. In, in the advice from people like you, Cass, is there's so many things that go into choosing your course. It's not all about what job you're going to do. And in fact, a lot of people don't end up doing a job related, but it's still you're getting a lot out of that time. Would you agree with that, that it doesn't have to be the thing you then go on to make your living out of? Yeah, definitely. I know people, um, because I'm at the Royal College of Music now, and when I first got accepted, I was like, wow, I'm at the Royal College of Music. And then I got here and I sort of met all of these people who were like incredible at their instrument. And then once they finished their bachelor's, they were like, actually, I don't want to do this. And, you know, some of them are working as like bakers or um they like they do some playing on the side but it's not the main thing that they do uh, one of them wants to become an art historian now another one is like retraining as a lawyer after she got her master's in music which is like crazy you know so yeah you never know like even people who are amazing at, like trying to do ending up doing something else i guess doesn't mean that you're bad at what you were doing in the first place Absolutely not. And it's, you know, with a lot of further education as well and masters, it can just be because you love studying that thing and, and you want to, you know, perfect your art, your craft. I, I'm a big believer in that, that education is definitely not just always about the career opportunities that come out of it. Sometimes it's just a really great way to spend your time. You know, we're only here. We're only here once. You want to spend it, fit, fill your life with the things you love and the things you're good at. 
um, especially when it comes to creative talent. I think that's something that's always worth investing in, whether it's what you do for your day job or not. And as you say, you know, people who go on to do other things, they're still musicians. Like you're still going to be doing that in your spare time. It's still a wonderful hobby and talent. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of within the university itself, who did you go to? What was your first steps to change the course? Do you remember much pastoral care or did you speak to your student union? I wasn't a big fan of the pastoral care at uni, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I didn't think they were too helpful. Right. I sent an email to student services and they were like, just fill out this form and, you know, you need to do this like audition playing for the head of music and... Mm-hmm you need to do this and you need to do that and I was like all right like I wasn't too worried because I had already gone through an audition the year before to get some cello lessons as an elective um but yeah and then I had to see this thing which is called like a combined internal combined internal transfer form or something like that okay um which was the form to switch because it was not only from one degree to another but it was two degrees that had that were like in different departments of the university and had sort of nothing to do with each other so I had to be like this is what I've studied before this is what I want to study now this is the year I'm asking for acceptance into um this is why I think I should be accepted into this year because like in Scotland you can go straight into second year for example Mm -hmm. um these are the credits I have from back home uh so like between the credits that I had done in my first year and me having done some conservatory in Spain, I was able to like go straight into third year. Right. Um, rather than like just restart all over again, which was quite nice of them to let me do that. Yeah, that must have been a big help because again, there's so many different ways to do this, which hopefully anyone listening will take reassurance from the fact that there's there's a huge range. But I was gonna ask you about that, about the transfer of credits specifically, but also the what point you know, you don't you don't want to feel like, oh God, I've just lost a year or two of do I have to start over? So I'm sure a lot of people will be reassured to hear that there's other ways to do it. Yeah, I don't think even if you do like one or two, even if you do a whole degree or a whole degree and a master's in something and then you're like, oh, this is not what I want to do. You haven't lost those years because like at the end of the day, they're just like an experience and there's stuff that you've learned from it. And like it's enriched you as a person in one way or another. Or maybe it's shown you exactly what you don't want from life, which is also a learning curve, I think. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It shouldn't be something people regret. And also sometimes you don't know, you have no idea whether that subject that you were good at at school is going to translate to degree level. I think it's completely fine for people to think, oh gosh, I I might have made a mistake here, but it's not a mistake that's so drastic you can't come back from it. And I think you're living proof of that. Do you have advice more generally for if somebody came to you and said, oh, I heard you change from one drastically different degree to another what would you recommend? Like, what would your advice be to that person? Uh, to not be scared of doing it, because usually if you're thinking of a change, especially one that is that drastic, mm-hmm. like, you actually do want to do it. And it's a lot better to switch and go for it than to, like, sort of live with the regret of not having done it. Because Absolutely. I think if I had stuck to neuroscience, I would be a lot unhappier than I am right now. That's a really good point that I feel like probably isn't talked about enough in the weighing up of these decisions. There's all the pragmatic and practical things of job 
prospects and you know what degree you want to come out with but actually you've just hit the nail on the head it should be about what makes you happy it's a big part of what further education should be and maybe some people don't hear that enough or aren't told that so I think it's brilliant that you've just said that and again you're living proof of it presumably you're much happier now (laughs) doing what you're doing yeah definitely at the Royal College of Music as well that is so impressive it's just a real You're a success story, I'm sure, for many people, considering whether or not changing courses for them. Did you have any kind of panic after making the decision? Did you look back at all? Was there any part of you that thought, have I made a mistake? Um, Well, the panic actually hit when I got to college in London, um, because when I got like accepted, I was like thinking like, oh, I'm so amazing. I am all of these things. I like, look at me. I'm a success story. I am the best cellist that was ever born. And then I got here and I was like, so I'm bottom of the pile, huh? Oh, that's hard when you've gone from being a big fish in a small pond and then you go to the reverse, yeah. isn't it? No, yeah. but like, it, it was great because it's what pushed me to like improve and everything. Yeah. But it was when I got here and I was like, oh, I'm the I'm the small fish now. I'm the... You know, just just bottom of the pile. Um, yeah, I did worry, like, oh, maybe I could have just stuck to neuroscience. Like, yeah, it didn't make me happy, but, like, you know, I could have found a job easily. I could have made money easily. And then I was like, but what's the point of making money if I'm not happy, Do you know? Yeah. And just to rewind a bit, so when you were actually first choosing your degree, as you said, I, with your family, we were part of that decision. But can you remember the other th- things that went into you choosing neuroscience in the first place? Did did you sort of always feel it was maybe not right? Or did you have a period where you thought, oh, this is great? I think there was a time where I thought it was great. But I think a part of me not realising how much I wanted to do music mm-hmm. is that back home uh, my teacher would always tell me that like I was sort of terrible I would never amount to anything uh in music yeah he was he was not the best uh but I hope he's listening now and now knows that you're doing a master's (laughs) 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 but yeah I think like I always grew up with this whole like feeling that I was like not good enough for it so like what even was the point of um, in trying if that makes sense um because why would I try if I'm not good at which is a terrible mindset but it is but it's also probably so common like I think it's the reason that holds anyone back from doing anything isn't it and especially something where you're putting yourself out there quite you know prominently like a creative subject I think so many people are held back by fear of failure and you're a good example of why people shouldn't feel that fear and just go for it. In Spain, if you're a good student, like 90% of the time people push you to like pursue sciences in high school. So like do biology, math, chemistry, blah, 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 which is what I did. And yeah. then if you choose that, everyone expects you to go into medicine or something of the sort. So it was just sort of like a big, like a snowballing, it was snowballing yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from one thing led to the other and then it was just like and all of a sudden I'm in Aberdeen and I'm like what am I doing with my life yeah you're right actually sometimes these decisions there's a series of small ones that suddenly become a huge one and you think I don't really know how I got here and it's it's just happened before you know it obviously I don't know where it's gonna take me um yeah I'm I'm here I'm like I love it at college um 
maybe someone else will see this and be like, you know, thinking that they're going to do the same and like, maybe it doesn't work out. And like, even if it doesn't work out, that's because for me, when I did my auditions, mm -hmm. I auditioned for four conservatories and I only got into two. Um, so I did auditions for the three main ones in London, um, Academy, Guildhall and College. And then I auditioned for Manchester as well. Mm -hmm. And I got into Manchester and Royal College, but I got my two rejections before I got anything else. Oh, gosh. So you must have just at that point been thinking, feeling quite disheartened, presumably. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I was just thinking, well, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Like... Especially when you'd taken that leap as well, presumably you were thinking, oh, God. And that's it as well. I think that's an important lesson for people who are maybe considering changing paths. It doesn't have to be a successful decision every step of the way. There are probably going to be peaks and troughs. There's probably going to be times when you wonder if you've done the right thing. But I think if you're feeling like you're doing something that is true to yourself, it can't be the wrong thing, really, can it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And... You know, you might not succeed the first time. You might have to take a year out. You might have to, to know, get some more training in what you do want to do. Mm -hmm. Or you might end up doing something entirely different. But, like, yeah, I, I think a part of the reason that I go into college is because I got those rejections. Because I remember on the day of my audition, they asked me, have you been offered a place anywhere? And I, like, sort of, I mean, I didn't cry, but... I, I felt like crying because <laughs> that morning I had got my rejection from Guildhall and I was like well do you know what I don't know because yesterday my audition at Guildhall went so well and then this morning they told me no and a few weeks ago I also had an audition that I thought went really well but now I don't know and maybe I haven't got in anywhere <laughs> and you know yeah. they made me an offer I don't know <laughs> so actually maybe it was a blessing in disguise <laughs> Yeah, I think I just, I sort of got here and I was so tired and so upset and so fed up with it that I was like, do you know what, let me just do this, get this out of the way. And I think that sort of made me like pour my heart out because I was like, what's the point of me trying to do well? What's the point of me being like so hyper focused on every detail when like, and then it just, yeah, it worked somehow. <laughs> That's an interesting thought because actually, you know, you're probably more vulnerable and more like open in that moment than you were with the others. And maybe, as you say, maybe that is what worked. You sort of admitting to yourself how much it meant to you in a way. Yeah, no, definitely. For me, it's and it's always a bit of a I don't know. I don't want to say it's a bit of a oh, take that academy or oh, take that girl home, but like every now and then when I've done I've done projects that like students have done from like Academy or Guildhall and then I'll be like oh yeah well I didn't get in and I'll yeah. get told like why and I'm like yes yeah like it just gives me a tiny bit of satisfaction when I'm like do you know what I think you were wrong yeah like dab's straight. <laughs> and obviously they've like the people who got in were like probably amazing mm. but at the same time there's that tiny part of me that's like they are amazing, but you're still missing out on having me there. Yeah. And how great is that to be able to back yourself that much and sort of say, like, actually, it was your loss and now I'm doing amazing things anyway. And I think the main takeaway from that for me is for people to really not be discouraged by 
obviously, you know, being critiqued by others is hard and, you know, constructive criticism, great, you can take something away from it. But also it doesn't always mean, I think if everyone took every setback and knockback as I shouldn't be doing this, nobody would ever succeed at anything. And I think that's a very strong message for people to take away is you're going to get knocked down, you've got to get back up again. <laughs> well, I've gone from my teacher telling me that I would never um, graduate like music school at like high school level to having a master's from the Royal College of Music, hopefully in like six months. So yeah, yeah that's quite, quite the journey, isn't it? And to throw the neuroscience chapter into that as well. <laughs> You've had a a real journey. Yeah, it was a little spin-off in the way, you know. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just stop off there and then we'll come back. (laughs) I think it's brilliant. I think your story is so interesting and I'm sure lots of people will find it very inspiring and might make them make the same decision. Maybe not the exact same decision, (laughs) neuroscience to music, but it shows that there is no such thing as not being able to change or drastically change the path that you're on and it's never too late either. Yeah, definitely. Also, can I just say, I love that in the background of this, I can literally hear like opera singing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's really, it's, no, it's good. No, I actually love it because it's like the soundtrack to what you're saying. You're like, and now here I am at Royal College of Music. And then somebody yeah, sings beautifully. I'm like, you really are. <laughs> we usually end our episodes with our what we call our do's and don'ts. It does what it says on the tin. I'm going to ask you your takeaways from everything we've been discussing. If you could tell listeners our fellow international students one do and one don't on the subject of changing your course i would say do what feels right and what makes you happy and don't be scared perfect couldn't couldn't have summed that up better (laughs) thank you so much it's been a real pleasure talking to you and i'm sure lots of people will feel that they can relate to your story And thank you so much for your time. It's great to hear how well you're doing as well. I can see big things happening for you, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, so now it's time to bring in our second guest of the episode. And we've got Courtney joining us from UCAS. Courtney, welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, Awesome. Thanks, Sophie. Nice to join you as well. My name is Courtney Shepherd. My role at UCAS is the head of customer contact. I was an international student uh, back when I went to university. I'm from Zimbabwe originally. And um, the UK was one of the options which I looked at to go into higher education. So you work for UCAS, obviously. Were you drawn to that, as you said, because of your experience yourself as an international student here? What drew you to that role? Yeah, so UCAS University uh, College's uh, admissions service, we we provide the service that helps students get into full-time undergraduate higher education within the UK. Um, what drew me to UCAS? So... Uh, when I graduated, that was in 2010, when the well, the world was in somewhat of a um, bit of a, a depression and a slump following that banking crisis that rocked everyone. So jobs were a bit scarce. Um, but the primary thing that attracted me to UCAS was the ability to join an organisation which could make a material difference in, in people's lives day in and day out. Um, mm. University for me was... A really pivotal point in my life and I, I gained so much from it both as a person with friends experience all of that and I, I, what I wanted to be able to do was join an organization where I could make that transition for someone as easy as possible so the only effort you need to put in is deciding what it is that you want to do 
how you go about doing that, the application itself, uh, the universities talking to you and giving you offers and things like that should really be simple. And UCAS can provide that platform. So the topic that we're discussing on today's episode is, oops, I don't like my course. This may be a feeling that some relate to, some don't. But even if it's not something that you're experiencing, you know, for our listeners, it's still it's a very interesting thing to discuss because especially having you here, Courtney, I think a lot of people won't know about the services that um, companies like UCAS do provide as in any kind of crisis, really. Obviously, this one particularly. Um, could you do what, what would UCAS's role be if a student were to decide they were actually on the wrong course for them? So... With what UCAS does, we can facilitate you moving university and and help and give you some advice and guidance on what it is that you need to do if you're moving your university. And sometimes when you don't get on with a course, it it might not be because of the course. It might be the environment that you're in, the levels of support that you've got around you, um, or, you know, a whole multitude of factors might might influence that so if you were wanting to change your course or move or perhaps sit it out for a year and move on to a different university at a different course after your first year that's where you come to UCAS and we can help you with creating an application um, where you're able to fill in all of the relevant information uh, making sure that you list the right level of detail to account for any studies which you have done even if you don't complete your first year that still gets taken into account if you're looking somewhere else. Um, and we can help you with that. We can help you look at uh, choosing a different university that might be of interest for you, depending on what, what's important. Is it location? Is it um, the entry requirements that you're aiming for, whether they're really high, whether they're appropriate to the qualifications you've got? Um, and then at different times of year, when uh, it's best for you to understand what's happening, whether you receive any offers, whether you need to go for interviews, writing your personal statement, because if you change university, you have to do another personal statement. Um, And those two words generally fill students with a lot of fear. Yeah, even as you said them to me, I'm like, I'm several years out of university and I still remember the dread. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And we've got got so much advice for, for any subject that you want to go into in terms of what to do with your personal statement, how to make the most of it. Because really, it's the only part of the application that you've got control over. The rest yeah. of it is just your, your personal information. You, you can't change that. Right. Um, so, so that's where we can help you. We can help you with the reference process as well, if that's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite, quite broad in terms of what UCAS can do for you. Yeah. Uh, and certainly helping in terms of pointing you in the right direction of where you should look for additional support outside the application we can help you with that as well yeah it's actually a really vast amount of things and I'm sure lots of people listening won't won't have known that at all so it's really helpful to hear that how would you advise students in one a position like that how should they reach out to UCAS how should should they get in touch directly what would you recommend I, I think the first thing I would recommend is is if you are unhappy with your course you should you should reach out to the student student services department within the university. Yes. Um, most universities have got an international students department or office or named individual whose job it is to look after you as an international student. Certainly, yeah. from my experience, 
the the university I went to had a strong international student support network, both in terms of student ambassadors as well as uh, university staff who can help you. So my first, you know, first piece of advice there is, is go and talk to them. Mm. Uh, that you will always have the opportunity to change or transfer your course within the university. So if you like your environment, it's just the course. Mm. Talk to them. Talk to them about that. Depending on where you are on your curriculum, where you are within that first year, you'll have options, and it's you need to talk to the university staff about that first to see what fits for you. Um, so that that's probably the first point of call before you even consider going to UCAS for anything else. Talk to the uni or the student ambassadors who you've helped you settle in. Talk to your peers because the transition from your home country to study in the UK might might actually be part of the reason why you're struggling. It might not be the Absolutely. course at all. Yeah. Um, and again, thinking back to, to my experience, it was, I took a year out, which in hindsight was a really good thing, but it meant that that first sort of two, three months of uni, I really struggled with the course and had those anxious moments where I thought, can I really do this? Um, mm. So so it might be a bit of that where you need a bit more support from your lecturers or, or from the network around you. Mm. Part of it might be getting to grips with the way of teaching, whether that's yes. through online, whether it's coursework, fieldwork, whatever that might be. Mm. And every university will have support mechanisms in place to help you with that. So explore that first. Yep. Then if, if you really come to the conclusion that the course is not right for you, and you want to go somewhere else, you want to go to a different university, or you just want to chat to us at UCAS and find out some options. Um, we've got phone numbers on our website. You can give us a call. We speak to one of the team um, who, they, like me, they would have had lots and lots of training and, and they know they know the process inside out. Our social media channels are available as well. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, mm. whatever's your preference, you can give us mm. a shout. And we can we can talk you through those options in a safe space, UCAS is completely objective. What that means is we won't we won't recommend one university over another. Um, equally, what you tell us within those conversations will stay with us. We we won't include that on your application or anything like that. It's a, a safe space for you to have an impartial conversation about what your options should be. That's that's very useful information, definitely. And as you say, it's so useful for our listeners to know that it is objective as you say there's no there's no agenda there you're not pushing one thing over another it's all about what's right for the individual um out of interest when you were saying about you did a year out what what university did you go to and what was your course so I went to the University of Gloucestershire uh, and the course was psychology and sociology which was quite a leap for me actually because um the school I went to didn't offer Either, either of those are A-level, which is why really? going to A-levels. Um, so it was going into those subjects fresh. I've never, never done any other academic research into it, aside from when I was looking at the courses. Um, yeah. So that, that in itself was a bit of a challenge and took me a while to get my head around these new subject matter areas. Cool. Uh, and then methods of teaching and stuff were, took a bit of getting used to. Yeah, that's interesting, actually, because obviously you didn't change courses, so you must have liked it. But it's interesting that you did a course that was completely new to you, because I can imagine some people probably that could be one of the factors if they were thinking, I'm not sure I've done the right thing here. 
they could be doing something for the very first time as you yourself did. And I think your advice earlier to say to sort of almost try and pick apart what it is they're not feeling comfortable about. It might not be the course, but it might be. I think that's really useful advice because it's such a huge change. You know, it's a bit, it's a bigger decision for an international student because there could be so many other factors at play making them feel, oh, I'm not sure I've done the right thing. As you say, it could be the university could be just homesickness you've got kind of got to separate that out and obviously I'm sure you know that firsthand that feeling Uh, absolutely and I think the cultural differences between where your home country is and the UK can play a part whether that's feeling homesick whether it's feeling isolated whether it's just feeling generally a bit anxious and on edge about how you should adapt to the UK culture adapt to your course mates and, and ways of working that kind of thing so that's that's important. And of course, the majority of international students will, will be quite heavily financially invested into their direction of travel, whether you've had support to pay for it, whether you pay for it yourself, or you're even on a scholarship. You've got to do well because you're paying a lot of money to come to the UK to do your to do your higher education course. So I think, you know, before jumping to change the course or change university, definitely pick apart those different factors, maybe use use a list, make a list of pros and cons and, and, and try and figure out what it is that your main trigger point is and then go from there. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more about the pro-con list. I think there's very few problems that can't be solved with a list. <laughs> so that's definitely a good good tip. Um, I'd love to talk to you and get your thoughts on the clearing process because obviously I'm sure that's something you, you, you're very involved in. But also in terms of what we're talking about with changing courses how would you recommend if somebody was having to apply through clearing maybe they might apply for a course thinking okay that's not what I want to do but I just have to get into a university full stop and then I'll cross that bridge later would you recommend looking at it like that so clearing clearing's got a somewhat of a an old school reputation as a bit of a last chance saloon gotta get your application and get your foot through the door um, otherwise you'll miss out. And there's an element of timeliness within clearing. So courses are only available until they're full. Mm-hmm. So you can't get away from that. Um, however, more and more people are going through clearing as an option that's closer to the start date for the course for you to apply. So rather than applying for your course like 12 months in advance, where it's a pivotal time for people. What you decide 12 months ago might be not what you want to do now. Um, so lots of people are using clearing as a more, not last minute, but at a point in time, mm. putting in that application where, where they have a bit more concrete thoughts about what it is that they want to do. Um, you, can, you can change your course if you get a place through clearing mm-hmm. and you've, you enroll onto the course and you decide actually no. I made a bit of a snap decision and I wanted a different course at the same university. As long as this space is on that new course, you speak to the university uh, student services again, they'll sort that out for you. And you won't even have to worry about anything to do with Newcastle clearing. They'll do all of that for you. Nice and easy. Um, Where where it's a little more tricky is if if you started your course and then you want to move, but you want to stay within that same cohort and you want to move. Say you start your course at the beginning of October and then one weekend you're like, no, I don't like this. I need to move. Mm. You'd have to apply to UCAS again um, and you can go through clearing again. 
through that process, but the closer you get to the closer you get into the start of a new term, yeah, the less courses are still open, the less places right. are available on those courses. So your options begin to narrow. You can do that through UCAS. But I guess back to your original question of um, mm. should you just get an application through the door and fire it, fire it off for any any course? Yeah. I, I'd really recommend not doing that. Um, yeah. Because partly you diminish your chances of being considered properly by the university for all of your merits if you just right. uh, putting an application together without much much time or effort or thought. Um, there's lots of courses available through clearing. So mm-hmm. it's not like you'll only be limited to a handful of courses. Last year, we saw uh, just under 30,000 courses available through clearing. Wow. That's a lot of courses. So you've got plenty, plenty of choice. Have a conversation with the university before you submit your application. That's I would always 100% recommend you doing that. And especially if you're wanting to see what support is available for for an international student, speak to their team, and they'll probably put you in touch with the student ambassador, um, Mm -hmm. and and they'll, they'll let you know what you can expect. So doing all of that, you can do a lot of stuff before you submit your application through UCAS or through Clearing. And actually having you here, Courtney, it's great because obviously we talk a lot about, you know, from just pre-departure, getting to university, but often what, what we have what we don't get into is the obviously the application process starts long before that. And since we're talking about courses specifically, there's obviously that whole process that goes into how on earth do people even begin to choose the course they do in the first place and as you said yours was something completely new if you took my brother's approach he started going down the alphabet and landed on American studies so obviously didn't get very far through the alphabet um, but do you have any advice to people who are starting to think about applying and actually they're thinking well I just this is so there's so much choice how do you begin to know what to choose in the first place? You're absolutely right you know even even thinking at clearing where you've got 30,000 courses whereas the rest of the year it's, it's even more mm-hmm. there's so many things to think about now what is good is UCAS is, is putting some options in place for students to help to make those decisions that I really wish I'd had back when I applied um, but if you register for an account with UCAS on the UCAS hub you can you can look at a number of different tools you can explore mm-hmm different subject areas where we will offer you um, what we call subject guides. So it might be like architecture or engineering. And and that subject guide will break that down into the component parts. It will tell you what kind of careers you can go into, generally the kinds of qualifications which you would need to have. So whether it's not A-levels or B-techs or um, whatever the level of qualification is, what are the entry requirements for those courses typically? So that's one element. Um, We've also recently introduced something called a careers quiz, where we ask you a series of questions and then outline a number of career options which we think might suit you based on what you've told us. And then from there, you can go into the subject guides and then from there into the uh, courses themselves, where you can see Mm. there are lots of different universities. We've also got uh, another tool, which is called Explore, which looks at you enter in the qualifications that you've got um, or equivalents. So you might have done qualifications in India, for example, um, which don't immediately map across to A-levels, but you will have a you will have your qualification will be an equivalent in an A-level form. Um, 
and you can put those qualifications into the tool and the tool essentially tell you what most people did with those that combination of qualifications oh that's amazing it's really good uh, and and it gives you potential career options as well off the back of that and what what those those tools don't tell you what you should do yeah and what we we don't want to tell you what you should do but it gives you some options to start thinking through yeah. And then as you're going through that, because you've got a UPASS profile, you can save some favourites. You can make a list of courses which you really like, whether it's defined by um, the location of the university, the way it's taught, the, um, the sort of intro requirements as well. Mm-hmm. You, you can have lists which tell you those kinds of things based on that. And generally what, what that would help you do is you'd go into that with an idea of a sort of vague subject area where you want to get into, or you, you either go in with a subject area or you go in with a type of university you want to do. And mm. Either way, you end up with, with your, your final choices. Make a list, then from there, look at pros and cons, look at the things that are important to you, but what you want to get from your studies and your, your investment. And it's probably start with a list of about 20 different courses. Then go through that, go through that, look at the university's website, look at um, lots of universities have got virtual open days now. So you don't have to go there in person. You can check their YouTube channels, their websites. There's all sorts of stuff on Newcast as well. Mm. Um, Narrow that down. And then if you can, reach out to some student ambassadors. You can do that again through Newcast. You can chat to students um, and you can chat to students at that university from your home country. That would be pretty cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. How did how do those students settle in? What what sort of support networks are available for you? Um, and, and those are the kinds of things which perhaps you wouldn't think about when you think, oh, I've got to choose a course for university. Cool. You've got to live there. You've got to make that city, town, campus your home for yeah. two, three, four years. So yeah. what else is there that's going to make it successful for you over and above the course content, entry requirements and stuff like that? So essentially make a big old list, go through those things. And then with the UCAS process, you're able to apply for up to five courses in one go. You don't have to use all five choices, but you can choose up to five. And, and that's, a, that's a good number. It's not too many because it means you have to do some, you know, some narrowing down of your options. Um, mm. But it's also enough to give you some choice. Um, you fill in your details on UCAS, you submit your application, and then it's out for consideration with the unis. Mm. That's that's really helpful. I didn't know that as well that international students could reach out to students from their own home countries who have kind of been there, done that. And I can imagine that's always the most valuable advice is someone who's actually gone through it themselves. Obviously, talking of the reasons why people choose their courses to begin with ties into the same reasons as why they might want to change them. But obviously, we talk, we've talked quite a bit about the vocational side, which I can imagine is a big one for a lot of people when considering their course and also maybe considering if they want to change to a different one. Do you think in your personal experience that's more key to international students' decisions, especially if they're thinking, I know you said you stayed on the post-study visa, but do you think that's more of a factor? Was it for you more of a factor as an international student potentially hoping to stay? Um, I think for me, more of a factor, a bigger factor was enjoying my course and getting a a strong degree from a UK university as opposed yeah. to what career I could go into. Right. Um, choosing psychology and sociology as my 
area of study meant that, well, I could go on and be a psychologist, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> and you, you've got quite a broad spectrum of uh, career prospects from there. I suppose mm. if you went into a subject like nursing, for example, you're a bit more uh, guided in terms of what your outcomes and your employment will be. Yeah. So I think what I, on, on that respect, it is important for international students. Um, I wouldn't get too hung up about it, though, yeah. because generally three years, three, four years from when you start your studies, the world will look a bit different. There'll probably be jobs out there that you never knew existed and nobody thought would exist. Um, but on the flip side if you're dead set on a particular vocation then go for it because that won't change yeah yeah I think you're right and I think generally at the age when you're applying as you say I think the people who are dead set on one they've probably known that for a while and as you say that's probably a clear sign And, and quite often now the fact that you will go to your home country or even stay within the UK with a degree, a, a, an honours degree, mm. no matter what subject it, it is in, is evidence that you're able to work hard for three years to an outcome that is well thought through, it's academic, it's got all that research and all that discipline behind it. Sometimes yeah. the fact that you have a degree opens up enough doors anyway. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And just to pick up on something that you said that was quite interesting about some of the jobs that these students or any of us might be going on to get you might not even know exists or they might not even exist yet I think that's what's interesting things are changing and moving so fast and that's what's very different to you know generations previously is I think things were a bit more vocational or you were trained trained up to be this or that whereas there's all these jobs that people have no idea exist and especially even more so if you're from a different country that job might not exist in your home country and it might exist here so I thought that was a really good point actually that you made. Yeah I mean I talk to lots and lots of students um, around the country about their career options and things and you can get really set about what career prospects you have based on a particular subject you go and study um And I think that really only applies if you are dead set on a specific career or a particular vocation. If if you are not sure what you want to be when you grow up, um, (laughs) that's absolutely fine. And even if you go back to your home country, you can take all of the skills that you've learned within your, your time in the UK studying and create a new job that didn't necessarily exist there three years ago before you started. So it, it, you sometimes international students will get a lot of pressure from their parents to to come back and go into this vocation because you've been on, on this three-year journey to do this uh, higher education course within the UK. And, and I get that. And that it's, it's easier said than done to ignore that. Yeah. But things change, especially at the point of choosing your course. Don't get too hung up on the career prospects afterwards. Focus on your course, focus on you, focus on enjoying enjoying those few years of um, of learning and embracing a new new culture. Definitely. And as you say, because it's meant to be fun and you do only get, you only do it once and, it, you know, enjoy it rather than worrying too much about what comes next because the chances are things will just open up to you anyway, as you said. Um, and we've you've already given plenty of tidbits of advice throughout this, but what more specifically, what advice would you give to struggling students who maybe quite early on and thinking, no, I definitely, 
I don't like my course and they're at that very early stage of feeling unhappy with it what would what would your main advice be to them so seek seek support you're you're not alone there will be lots of other students up and down the country within your university whether they're international or from the UK who will be in the same boat probably struggling so ask ask for help every university has got support networks in place to give you some support whether that's just purely mental health support or whether it's looking at an academic side whether it's something else so please don't don't suffer in silence and don't feel like you're alone because you aren't you might be alone in your room in your halls of residence or the shared flat you're in but there are ways for you to get support so reach out to the universities their student services will be will help and they will help you get onto a path for you to be happy whatever that path might be we usually end our podcast episodes with what we call our do's and don'ts. Um, so basically, I just like to ask each guest from the wider conversation of everything we've discussed, what is one do and one don't? If you could just leave the listeners with just one of each, what would your main takeaways be? Okay, so don't make a snap decision. Yeah, you've got lots and lots of information. You've got time. Think it through, do your research. It's really important, big decision for you to make. Don't rush it. Once you get to university, do get involved. I, I implore you to get involved in any of the activities and societies that the university puts on that you're interested in. You're coming from your home country, which might be quite similar to the UK or might be very different, but you're coming to the UK. So embrace it, get involved. Love that. That's brilliant. Both brilliant bits of advice and I'm sure will be very valuable to many people listening. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Courtney. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. I'm sure we'll have many more things that we can discuss. But thank you for your time today. And it's been really, really useful. You're very, very welcome. And I'm happy to come back anytime.